BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. That's Gary Bauer, Tom Rose, the Bauer and Rose show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. And our podcast, justthenews.com, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get us, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, what else? iTunes. I forgot about, I I don't know why I consistently, eight months into this, or however, maybe it's only been eight weeks, it just feels like eight months. Um, I don't know why I, I don't know why, why do I always default to you? For, uh, well, because you leave out a lot of cherished methods of communication. It can be ordered by Pony Express, <laughs> and you can bring it up on your DVR or your VCR or whatever. Your Betamax you or your Wells, your Wells Fargo, um, yes. your, your yes, Wells Fargo wagon. are legitimate uh, uh, ways of communication, and certainly in my world. I don't know about everybody else, but... Uh, at any rate. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, yeah. the uh, the debt ceiling deal passed the House and presumably will pass the Senate. And I, you and I have we actually haven't discussed this in, in huge detail, but I'm of mixed minds about this. I know everybody wants to jump on Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, I'm opposed to the deal because I think if we had waited a bit longer. Um, we could have rid the system entirely of these phony, fake default dates. The government takes in almost half a trillion dollars a month. We can service our debt. We might have to uh, prioritize how we make other spending decisions. But the notion that the nation faces uh, financial default in the world's capital markets, is it's a fraud. It's just totally untrue um it it is tom and it's it's the you know we constantly get these fraudulent narratives on everything from COVID to global warming and on things like the debt limit uh just just a quick reminder as you finished because i know you had a, a riff here you wanted to go through but uh on june 15th there is a massive influx of money into the federal treasury because that's the date of the second estimated tax payment that self-employed people or people that are going to owe a lot of taxes at the end of the year have to make. So your your figures about each month were absolutely true. But on June 15th, it's even more than you said. There will be uh, almost unimaginable amounts of money heading into the federal treasury, which is why I believe Janet Yellen lied about, oh, we're going to run out of money on June 1st. Oh, we're going to run out of money on June 5th. You, you may remember, Tom, that not that many months ago, they, they were saying they were going to run out of money in April. Right. So run out of money, a government that takes in almost $5 trillion a year and now spends $7 trillion. I mean, look, the system's broken. It doesn't work. Washington 
simply can't fix Washington anymore. This is yet another example, but I've got to, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm a little confused at my own reaction. On the one hand, I, I oppose this deal because I don't think it went far enough. I don't think we pushed it as far as we could push it. But on the other hand, these attacks on Kevin McCarthy make me a little bit queasy. He's been in the job four months. I think he's done a, a, a awful good job passing lots of good stuff while he plays Fiddler on the Roof. It's a very, very tight act. He's only got a five-seat majority. The wall, border control, parental rights, all these kinds of things, they go to the Senate where they die, where the GOP is like a dead elephant. Has anyone even heard from Mitch McConnell recently? Why didn't the Senate vote on any of this stuff? Why weren't McConnell and John Thune jumping up and down in front of every microphone demanding a vote, even though were in the minority in the Senate and would lose. I, I just, uh, I, I don't well, get what, I'm, go, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of quasi in my reaction to what you're saying, just like you're quasi in your reaction about the attacks on, on uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Tom, what, what, I'm, what I'm concerned about is uh, somebody's lying. And we, we're getting so many of these lies. We, you realize, you know, we talked about it forever, how hard it was to get honest answers during COVID. It wasn't that, oh, well, they didn't know enough yet. It was too early. After they knew, they still lied. And they shut down people who told the truth. Now, here's what really set me off this morning. They had uh, Senator Lee from Utah uh, on uh, Fox and Friends this morning. And the Fox and Friends, the, you know, the, the, the Fox News establishment, we'll leave uh, some of them out. Uh, and, and, of course, the most outside guy of all, uh, Hunter, Hunter Carlson, who was, uh, you know, he's been banded, uh, thrown out of, of the whole station. But almost everybody at Fox was promoting this deal. Oh, it's the best, best things. It's all oh, these extremists, you know. Remember, they were railing against the extremists when the extremists got concessions from McCarthy on how the system would run that enabled him to eventually be elected as speaker. But the entire time they were doing that, Fox was attacking him, the Wall Street Journal was attacking him. The same people that are rushing to defend this deal were attacking the conservatives earlier this year when they exacted a price from McCarthy. So that makes me suspicious on count one. But lead today, Fox and Friends were throwing, so are you telling us that calling back $22 billion in COVID money doesn't amount to anything? And Lee says, that's exactly what I'm telling you because they didn't call back $22 billion in COVID money. What? Are you saying Kevin McCarthy's a liar? Lee says, here's what they did. They, they, they clawed back $22 billion out of the account that says COVID money, and they sent $20 billion of it to an account at the Department of Commerce, which is a slush fund that those of us in Congress can't get answers about what it's used for. So they didn't even, they didn't call it back. 
They took it out of COVID so they could say they called it back and they put it into another part of the federal bureaucracy. So, and, and interestingly, not even the Defense Department. We could have used another $20 billion over at Defense. So, Tom, I don't believe any of this stuff. And that's a sorry state for the republic to be in. And it's happening at every level of government. School boards are lying to parents. Uh, so you begin, you begin at the very lowest level of government. And it's lies, lies, lies. And, and that knowledge that we're being lied to causes two things to happen, neither of which is good. Some people go, well, what can I do? I, what in the world can I do? Over at Fox are saying, if you don't believe McCarthy, get the 99-page bill and read it yourself. Oh, yeah, I'll do that between uh, my latest Uber pickup and when I get the kids at 4 o'clock at school. Yeah, right. Nobody's going to read a 99-page bill. And since it's written in a foreign language that none of us have any inkling what it means, we wouldn't know what we were reading anyway. <laughs> so they lie, lie, lie. And so you either... You either hear these lies and you go, okay, I'm dropping out. I'm just going to take care of my little piece of America, the front door to the back door, the upstairs to the downstairs. I'm going to try to protect my kids and my spouse and save a little bit of money, stay out of the cities at night, hold on to as much as I earn, as much of what I earn as possible, and let these a-holes fight to the death because it won't mean anything to me. Look, the other possible reaction is it makes people crazy and they want to punch somebody in the mouth. They want to grab a school board member and pull him over that dais or table. He's sitting at lecturing you about what's best for your kids. And you want to slap him around a little bit like Spike Bauer would have done. <laughs> I'm not advocating for those monitoring the show that you pull a school board member across the table and slap him around a little bit. But I am saying that there is violence taking place. It's moral violence. It's violence of the deep lasting kind. It's violence against our moral code, our moral center. It's daily violence against the rights of parents. And when we stand up, we are the ones being accused of trying to stoke violence. So I, it's bad for the republic. I, so, I, so in that view, I don't see how it could be a good deal. It just adds to this incredible weight of feeling that we are so far off the rails as a nation. There is no getting back. Look, this is, I think, yet the latest exhibit in the mountain of evidence that shows our system is broken. It just, it doesn't work. Washington can't fix Washington anymore. McCarthy's not the devil here. This has been going on for decades and decades. There are conventional ways to minimize the damage or mildly make it worse, whether it's one half percent cut here or a 1% increase there. The, I just think something that's required is much, much more fundamental. Um, wouldn't it be great if the national debate, national conversation was about this, pardon me, 
convention of the states uh, discussion every day. There's a whole laundry list of things that we absolutely must get done. Unfortunately, in the system we have today, they'll never get done. Um, The convention of the states, this is um, I heard Mark Meckler uh, the other night with our friend Mark Levin. He's chairman of this convention of the states process. Article five of the Constitution written by our ingenious, brilliant founders, created two ways to amend the Constitution. One is the traditional way that we've used for 240 years. The House and the Senate pass amendments. They go to the states. Three-quarters of the states have to ratify them. The second way to amend the Constitution is to summon a convention of the states, where three-fifths of all state legislatures, that's 34 call for a convention of the states. Congress then convenes one. Each state sends a delegation, whatever it is, and they come up with a series of amendments that then also require three quarters of the states to adopt. That's 38 of the states. And for people who say this opens Pandora's box, all I can say is, folks, Pandora's been out and running around for 50 years. We already have a runaway constitutional convention. It's called the administrative state. It's called our judicial system. There have been like 400 calls for a convention of the states over the years. None have materialized because it's a huge hurdle. You got to get 34 states to convene one. We are not. I think we control 26 or 27 uh, legislatures now. 17 states have already adopted this. But it's a tall, tall hurdle, no question about it. But at least it would allow us to talk about fundamental, dramatically needed change, limiting the power and scope of federal agencies, term limits, fiscal sanity. Uh, There's an amendment floating around now among these folks about balanced budgets that I think is very, very reasonable. It gives the country, you know, after the adoption of uh, so-called this balanced budget amendment four years to get its house in order there are exceptions for wars and states of emergency all that kind of stuff i'm not saying it happens tomorrow or that it necessarily works tomorrow but rather than talking about whether 22 billion is money or whether it's one percent or what at least we would begin a national discussion about the real issues that not only challenge us, but threaten our very existence every single day, an administrative state that is utterly out of control, utterly unaccountable. Um, it can regulate everything from the amount of water in your toilet. It's, it's completely out of control. The framers would never have envisioned such a thing. And as long as we are in the conventional matrix of talking and discussing in conventional Washington terms, none of it, as you pointed out earlier, is going to make any difference. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be the skunk at the wedding, Tom. Uh, on, on some days, I, you know, I I'm intrigued with the idea at a couple of points. The right is divided about it. And you mentioned one of the reasons, you know, what what would that convention end up doing? But second of all, and and the reason I think it it can't possibly work is that it will be buried with another blizzard of lies. So with a divided right, I don't know where Fox will come out on this. 
you know, it's still the place most conservatives are getting their news from. Um, the, I know what the left is going to say, that this is an effort by the white supremacists in Alabama and Kansas and Texas to take away your constitutional rights. And they're they're gonna they're gonna amend the constitution so uh, there'll, there'll be uh, no abortion anywhere in America. Everybody's gonna have to pray a Christian prayer five times a day. Uh, they're gonna ban books because we see them doing that already in the schools and red states. On and on it will go. Plus, the delegates have to be elected. Why wouldn't the same forces that have been robbing us blind in elections? Rob us blind again in these elections because we could at least so, have it. But we could at least look. You're in terms of ratification. You're absolutely right. If a convention were summoned, if 34 states called for one, and that means a lot of blue states would have to call for one, and the convention came up with all kinds of cockamamie, crazy stuff, there's no way any of that would ever be ratified. I'm just saying we've got to get off. The 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 statist narrative that only allows debate within the tiniest, tiniest margins of whether it's a one percent cut or whether it's a two percent rescission or a four percent cut. Let us at least have a conversation about things that absolutely have to be discussed. The bureaucratic rulemaking, these federal agencies have accumulated so much power that already infringe upon individual liberties. They stifle economic growth. Uh, Maybe an Article 5 convention we could use as an opportunity to at least talk about these, to at least begin the conversation about restoring the balance that has long since been tossed out the window between what are supposed to be separate but equal branches of government. Okay, here's here's my alternative, Tom. Massive nonviolent civil disobedience. And I mean across the board. I'm good with that. So, so you know, we, we've seen when, when marriage in America was uh, still the union of a man and a woman, uh, that was during a time all the way until, oh, approximately last Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I'm exaggerating, but it was the not Not by much, not by much. Right. It was the definition of marriage through the history of Western civilization. And uh, and during the time it became an issue in the United States, 29 states, I believe, voted on it from liberal California to conservative uh, uh, Mississippi. And in every case, those people in those states, including, as I said, California, that wanted marriage to remain the union of a man and a woman. One in every case. And during that period of time, before the Supreme Court had struck down all those referendum and uh, forced same-sex marriage on the country, liberal attorney generals around the country said, I don't care what the referendum said. I'm not going to prosecute same-sex marriages in the state of Name the state, Illinois, California. They just said, I'm not going to do it. If you're you're a same-sex couple, go on, come on into Chicago, we'll marry you. So it was a threat of, and in some cases they actually did, civil disobedience. 
Right now, uh, let me give you a, a small example, but with a big, I, I think, significance. In North Dakota, they've just passed a law that said uh, every school in North Dakota, the, the children in the school have to go to the bathroom that corresponds with their biological sex. The, the teachers in the schools must use the appropriate pronouns that match the biological sex of their students, regardless of what the student asks the teacher to use as pronouns. And third, no school official at any level can help to transition a child from their biological sex to some make-believe sex without informing the parents that the child is being asked to transition. The laws passed. It's signed by the governor and a top school official in the city of Fargo says, well, if we think a child is going to be in danger at home, we're not going to obey the law. And he's still an official in Fargo. So there was a big school board meeting there, outraged parents. How dare you? Do you think the kids belong to us, to you, not us, et cetera, et cetera. So there's leftist examples of them violating, engaging, and even elected officials engaging in civil disobedience. So here's my idea. Take a state like Tennessee, just as an example. We've got massive majorities in the House and Senate, a Republican governor. They had to pass a law that says, you know, here in Tennessee, we want to begin the day, the school day, with the Pledge of Allegiance and with a non-denominational prayer. If you are somebody that is uncomfortable with the prayer, you can sit quietly at your desk. It'll only take a couple of seconds. You know, the way traditional parents, kids have to sit there quietly while the rest of the class is learning all about the 52 genders and how to put this in that place and that in this place. Bees that want to be birds and birds that want to be bees, all the rest of it. So uh, immediately, of course, if Tennessee does that, Joe Biden's going to go bat crap crazy. There's going to be a lawsuit. It'll go into the courts. It'll be appealed. It'll go all the way to the Supreme Court. And I think we have a decent chance, Tom, given the reasoning that was expressed in the overturn of Roe versus Wade, for the Supreme Court to say these are contentious issues. Good people disagree on them. Each state should handle them to reflect the values of the people in their state. And then I think we would have a chance for a truce in the culture wars. But I also don't believe the left will sit by quietly because they are intent in forcing all of us to deal with their altar. And they'll probably, you know, do whatever they have to do. But I think that approach, it's, it, it won't take that long. It takes one brave state. And I, I'll make a confession, Tom. There were a few of us not long ago that tried to convince a particular governor, I won't make, mention the state, to do something similar. And we thought we almost had him there. And then uh, he uh, got cold feet. Why did he get cold feet? And what was the pushback against him? Well, well you know, what they're going to do, here's what they'll do. The, the Justice Department will say uh, that the governor is violating the Constitution of the United States. And that they're going to fine him 
right. like an inordinate amount of money. Let me, yeah. let me, can, can, can I just interject and getting back, and this is my hobby horse for the day, to the Convention of the States idea. One of the ideas floating around is <clears throat> to discuss a new amendment to the Constitution where two-thirds of the states can nullify federal laws. Um, at least it would allow us to begin to talk about bigger issues like the one you're addressing now. In the meantime, since we're literally only halfway there, we've only got 17 states and 34 are required to convene. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I realize you don't want to go public with, you know, the name and everything, but perhaps uh, pressure. We all know the power of the left to pressure public officials. What we're only beginning to see, and it's, I think, emerging spontaneously and through grassroots kind of final revulsion, is a sense of uh, conservative pushback against retailers, against Target, against uh, who's the latest now? Um, uh, well, the Dodgers, of course, which is an absolute. Yeah, Dodgers, Target, but, uh, Budweiser. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, now there's some somebody talking about Chick Fil A. Somebody right. gets something to Chick Fil A. I, uh, I don't know. I would, uh, Tom. I'm I'm all for that. I recommend it the other day in my daily report, which you can get at ouramericanvalues.org. That um, when people say I will never go to Target again, very unlikely if you've been a customer at Target that you're never going to go to Target again. These boycotts are very hard to sustain, although I must admit, I am amazed at the power of drunk men to continue to get drunk drinking something other than uh, Budweiser. I mean, <laughs> the sales are still 25% off. I mean, the discipline here is something I never saw in Spike Bauer on his worst nights. You know, the other but thing which the, the other thing which absolutely gets me, and I – have to admit, I don't really watch Fox News anymore since the Tucker disaster. Um, you've got all this pressure now against, quote unquote, right wing white supremacist, you know, uh, yeah. fascists like, right, like you and me, that what we're doing in choosing to spend our dollars more selectively is uh, economic terrorism. It's economic terrorism when conservatives boycott target but it is um it's nirvana it's left-wing utopia when leftists boycott chick-fil-a <laughs> yeah yes that's that's a good point well the, where i was headed in my long-winded way was at the very least everybody that agrees with us on this that shares our values and so forth you certainly can without you know very little discomfort to yourself say i will not shop at target the entire month of june the lgbtq pride month any store that is promoting this and throwing it in my face particularly if that story is putting out products like coloring books and so forth thing to children you will not have my business during LGBTQ Pride Month, period. That I think a lot of people can do, and I hope they, they I hope they will do it. Now, Target stock has really got hammered. And the market's not great right now, unless you're in, in, in AI and uh, all that stuff. But uh, it's lost about ten billion dollars of of market value, but mm -hmm. that's not real money for the company. That's just the price of their stock 
times the number of shares they have. So if some of the officers own a bunch of shares, their net worth has gone down significantly. But it doesn't really hurt the finances of Target. Although it does, it does reflect, it does reflect downstream expectations for sales and profits. Yes, that's true. That that's true. It is used as a predictive uh, value. But you know, Tom, somebody said the other day. I haven't checked it out. Uh, but it, you know, the more I thought about, it, maybe this is true. This individual said, "Red America," i.e., the conservative part of America. Now, I don't know whether he was looking at you know half the country's conservative, half of its liberal, or whether he was looking at the states that regularly vote conservative. But he said if half of America was its own country, it would have, I think the guy said, the sixth largest GNP in the world. So we we have a lot of economic power and a lot of economic strength, and we we have to use it. Tom, this gets us to something else that we've been talking about. I'm telling you, if Republicans miss this cultural moment, we saw how they missed the Tea Party moment. The Tea Party springs on the stage exactly on this issue of deficits. And the Republican Party was, oh, wow, wow. And then in a couple of months, it was, oh, they're kind of dicky people. And I don't know what their real agenda is. And, you know, they're asking for too much. And and then later it was like, some of those people are extremists. I mean, uh, and because that became the left's agenda, right? Remember, they were they were accusing all these, you know, 65-year-old guys in Bermuda shorts, uh, going to the local city council meeting or the local uh, congressman's town hall complaining about spending, those were the white supremacist neo-Nazis, just as people going to school board meetings today are being labeled the same way. But anyway, as time went on, the Republican Party tried to distance themselves from the Tea Party. We don't want to be you know, associated with extremists like that. How long will it take to start before they start distancing themselves from the parental rights movement and some of the other things? I hope we've got more staying power. But, Tom, the Democrats are so vulnerable on this LGBTQI, I'm running out of letters, radical agenda that's being pushed everywhere. And it's not simply in schools. No, I'm just going to say it's not simply a pro-LGBTQ, I'm running out of letters, also agenda. It's deeper than that. And I think we see that with this absolute despicable L.A. Dodger outrage. It's not not simply a pro-LGBT agenda. It is, at its core, an anti-Christian hate agenda. Imagine, if you will... The L.A. Dodgers inviting an anti-Muslim hate group to perform uh, mocking Islam, mocking vile, satirizing vile sex acts with their prophet Muhammad. Um, And then (laughs) how long before Dodgers executives would be shot, the stadium would be burned down. And part of me, part of me, the atavistic Tom Rose says, bully for the Muslims. You know, they defend themselves. They stand up. Where's the pushback? I mean, you know, we see comments, we see tweets, but where is the pushback? Where is the outrage? Why do, I I just don't understand 
Um, as Winston Churchill says, and this <clears throat> this this is Winston Churchill, not Tom Rose, vis-a-vis uh, God-fearing, God-loving, man-loving Christians. Uh, turning the other cheek is great, but all four of them? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Winston. I tell you, that guy's going to go places someday. Um, no, you're absolutely right, Tom. I, I mean, look, there, what an opportunity this was for every elected Republican. Now, maybe some of them put out statements at back home and we just didn't read them or whatever. But in my view, every Republican should have been at a microphone saying it is outrageous that the Los Angeles Dodgers organization would allow a group that mocks Catholics in a profane way that goes right to the heart of the Christian faith, that they would be allowed to participate in uh, this pride evening. It's, it's disgusting. It's outrageous. It's unacceptable. We're always talking about, you know, the, some of the Catholic vote is trending in our direction. You know, we just need to do more and we'll be able to get that vote. Well, here was a perfect opportunity to get that vote. Why aren't they labeled an anti-Christian hate group? Why don't we begin to expropriate some of the very successful linguistic techniques that the left has been able to foist upon the country this past, what, 75 years, 50 years at least? We don't have an equivalent to the, what is it, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is this left-wing hate group, frankly, that categorizes every conservative organization with which they disagree, not simply for the disagreement, but they are categorized as a hate group. Gary Bauer yeah. is a hater, right? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, the, the first uh, uh, president of the Family Research Council uh, when, when it finally began to not just be a, you know, a registered group, but actually started to be an operating organization. And the Family Research Council a few years ago was put on the Southern Poverty Leadership Council's a group of hate organizations. And some deranged lefty uh, went out and bought a bag of Chick-fil-A sandwiches, uh, walked into the Family Research Council lobby and tried to get past the guard. He was armed. He intended to go upstairs and shoot multiple employees and throw the chicken sandwiches on their lifeless bodies. Uh, This guy was a performance uh, artist in addition to everything else. And a courageous African-American man that was a guard there at the Family Research Council uh, stopped him but was shot in the process. That story, Tom, lasted about two hours. And then we moved on. We moved on. Why has the Dodger thing died? You know what I mean? A week ago, it it started to make some headway. And then it seems our friends in conservative media. Again, I, I read the Fox News website. I haven't seen anything on it in several days. This is not. It, see, this is the problem. The media has been able to get away with this characterization that this group is pro-LGBT. Okay? There is a difference between pro-LGBT and anti-Christian hate group. Now, I disagree with both, obviously, but the second is what this group is. Forget the LGBT stuff. This is a flat-out anti-Christian hate group. They are 
They hate Christians. They hate Christianity. They want it destroyed. They want you destroyed. They would never think of doing this against any other religion, probably because they fear if they tried something like this against uh, Muslims, they'd be killed. If they tried something overt like this against Jews, they'd rightly be called anti-Semites. Yet here they go, attacking in the most despicable and degrading manner the, the, the primary faith of this nation, the primary uh, moral foundation for the establishment of this nation, and it's a two-day story, and it's characterized by even media we like as not being an anti-Christian hate group, but a pro-LGBT group that conservatives are upset about. Yeah, well, you know, Tom, the, the articles, I mean, I, I, I've uh, had to interact with the uh, uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence or whatever the... The name is anti-Christian. Yes, whatever the Hades, the actual, the correct name is. I, I, I've had interactions with him for decades uh, as my role in, in social conservatism and so forth. I mean, there, there's been no doubt what this group's purpose was. It's always been to mock Catholics, mock Christians, and doing it in the most disgusting way. They sponsored an event in, in which one of them dressed as if uh, he were Jesus Christ, did a pole dance on the cross. Did you hear that? Folks? Yeah. <laughs> the, the media during the week of this controversy, and every article I read said the such and such group, the Perpetual Sisters, are a charitable group whose work is devoted to helping people in need in many of America's major cities. Horse poopy. The idea that the reason they exist is to do charity work? You've got to be kidding me. So this is, this is the world we're living in, and you're right, Tom. You, you know, if we had an organization that started identifying anti-religious bigots and publishing a list of them, the group would be labeled a hate organization and put on the Southern Poverty Leadership Council's list of hate groups. They've already got, as I said, the Family Research Council on that. They've put several conservative legal uh, law uh, groups that file suits on some of these issues related to, re to religious liberty and family rights and the rest of it. And they add insult to injury, Tom, when you've got a leftist in the White House, a leftist administration, the bureaucracy controlled by the left, everybody from the Department of Homeland Security to the Defense Department goes to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference or Southern Poverty, whatever the heck its name is, and they get their list of hate groups. And then they check in the ranks, for example, check in the ranks of the military. Is anybody in the military a supporter of the Family Research Council? Uh, you know, go to this particular church. Uh, focus you know, on criticize. the focus on the family is a hate group. See, this is where Tom Rose, the Jew, has to actually push back against Gary Bauer, the evangelical. You said it twice in your previous uh, soliloquy, and you probably don't even remember it. You said. Um, anti-religious bigotry it's not it's anti-christian bigotry 
because they don't do this to, to Muslims. They don't do it directly or overtly to Jews. They do it through attempting to demonize the Jewish state. They don't do it to Buddhists. They don't do it to Hindus. It's anti-Christian. Well, I I obviously agree, Tom, but one of the arguments that uh, the other side always uses it, and so subconsciously, I'm, I internalize I know, that, I know. and I'm answering their argument. They'll say, well, they only care about their own religious liberty, not anybody else. What's wrong with that? Well, well, the, the, the point is that you can't have safe religious liberty in a country unless it is extended to all religions. Right. You're right. So, you know, it's it's more than a rhetorical point. Uh, it, it You know, it, it's important to acknowledge that when somebody attacks a synagogue, it's an attack on every church and every mosque and every temple. When somebody attacks a Christian church, it's an attack on every synagogue, every church, every, you know, et cetera. That the fundamental right embedded in our Constitution is the right of all human beings that are live in this country uh, to seek God, if that is what their heart leads them to do, and worship God as their heart and soul tells them to. And, you know, that's why George Washington writes the famous letter to the, con- the Jewish congregation in Rhode Island. Uh, saying, you know, we, you know, we, we love you. Uh, you, you can, in this country, you, you can, can prosper under your own vine and fig tree. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now here's, here's the problem with, uh, and we're going back into the notion of what lies at the heart of our, our sick, uh, dying culture. And that is that it rests upon this lie that all cultures are equally valid. Of course, that's, that's, first of all, that's not true, but that's not even what they're propagating. To accept this, to accept what they're attempting to sell, means we have to deny any objective means of measuring human freedom, health. Uh, even if uh, an alienated young person in this country, nominally Christian but not churched, wanted to assimilate into our culture today, quote-unquote, how could he do that? You can't really assimilate into a nullity, and that's really what our modern state is becoming. This this multicultural nonsense makes a nation no better than a holding pen or a kind of a permanent hotel. A culture that doesn't have confidence in its values, um, uh, demography is going to decide its future. That is how many kids you have. On Thursday morning this week, I don't know whether you saw it yet, um, the Wall Street Journal front page article about how America's uh, basically has a, yeah, has, a, has a negative birth rate. In this entire article, there is no mention, zero, of the fact that five million people have illegally entered this country in the last two and a half years. They take their statistics... And they completely excise them from the fact that we're doing anything but shrinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I did see the article. I, I had read so many vomit-inducing pieces by that time in the day that I didn't read it because I knew that that's exactly what they would ignore. You know, Tom, we increasingly, I, I, you know, this quote has been attributed to a number of different people, but we're, we're, we're increasingly a country where there is no truth and everything is permitted. 
That's the lesson that uh, we're telling our children. That's what they're supposed to assimilate into. If you feel like you're a girl, even though you're a boy, then you're a girl. If you think that, uh, you know, you're a black woman, but you actually are a white woman born to two white parents, you're a black woman. Uh, I mean, this is complete moral relativism, factual relativism. Uh, you, know, you, know, you ever hear this phrase? I hear it all the time. It's it's worse than than fingernails on a chalkboard. Well, my truth is, oh, shut up. There is no my truth is. There's only truth and lies. You can believe whatever you want, but that doesn't make it a truth. It just means possibly what you've been deceived about. But you know, that is a default position. You know, it's sort of like, a, well, it is what it is. You know, well, that's your truth and this is my truth. I mean, I don't uh, know how much I don't know how much of this is fear, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-awareness or the fact that maybe the combination of all three, Gary, is that we now suffer a kind of societal Stockholm syndrome, this desperation to identify with anything that comes down the pike. Um, and the great secret, of course, to our uh, refusal to accept anything as as uh, factual except the left's agenda is that it doesn't require us to know anything about anybody else. It just it involves feeling warm and fluffy about everyone except uh, conservatives making bliss out of ignorance. I, I, I don't know if um, how many degrees of separation, so to speak, there would be between um left-wing acolytes and the extremists in their midst you know there's a huge difference between liberals and leftists a huge difference right. but what yeah. difference does it make toward us right, right. Well, yeah but what difference is all the liberals they vote for the leftists even oh, though they even though they agree with us on the i was out on a, a big bike ride with one of my best friends yesterday super liberal guy would never, you know, would eat a uh, pork chop on Yom Kippur before he would vote for a Republican. And he's totally all over me about the trans movement, how crazy it is, how nuts, how insane. I'm like, Mark, you know, what are you doing? Uh, You vote for these people. Well, what did you what did he say to that? I mean, Tom, this this is this isn't just a rhetorical point. I mean, there's been, you know, like 17 to 20 states that have passed good laws on trying to protect minor children from this terrible surgeries and and then laws to make sure teachers uh, don't interfere with parental rights, laws to make sure your daughter or, or your wife or your sister doesn't go into a lady's room and end up seeing uh, a man in the lady's room with all of his equipment. So states have reacted and they're passing these laws But when you look at the votes in the state legislature, literally in state after state, every Democrat in the state legislatures are voting against these laws. And they call themselves moderates. They get away with thinking of themselves as moderates. And the answer to your question is, what was my friend's answer? It's always Trump, 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 Trump. (laughs) At which point I said, you know, when Trump leaves... You're going to have to come up with another answer. But I have confidence with you, Mark. He's my friend. 
you'll come up with the other answer. And the other answer will be whatever Republican candidate leads the pack. If it's not Trump, go ahead. Well, I, I have a I have a bunch of neighbors. They're really pleasant people. Uh, uh, but, but, but when we ill-advisedly Ill start talking about uh, just in general ways politics, many of them will say, well, Gary, as you know, uh, I'm an independent. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I vote for the man. And I go and I always go, well, who was the last Republican you vote for? You voted for. I'd, I'd be interested to know that. Oh, uh, the, the, the only answer I've ever gotten that actually named somebody was a couple of them voted for Anderson when he was running on a third party ticket to try to stop Ronald Reagan. And that was 44, 43 years ago. Yeah. And a couple of these neighbors hadn't been born yet. But <laughs> never mind. That's <laughs> they like they were born. Right. That's like Hillary being named after Sir Edmund Hillary, who uh, climbed Mount Everest six or seven years after she was born. So I guess she was yes. nameless for the first six. Yes. Well, guess what? I'm looking at the clock, Bauer. I know. You know what? You know what, Tom? A clock. That's all make believe. The clock's truth doesn't have to be our truth. <laughs> if we think we've got more time, we've got more time. <laughs> you, you're on a roll. You're at the beach. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah. uh, you've had uh, a minor affliction of a sunstroke, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're out of time. Any parting shots? Uh, no, no. Just uh, you know, fear not. Uh, don't be depressed. I think one of the things we're seeing, Tom, is there are millions of us, tens of millions of us. We're beginning to rise up. We just—it's got to be a sustained effort. We tend to do these things and go back to business as usual. It's not business as usual in America, folks. So listen to this show. But you got to do more than go out and buy a Chick-fil-A sandwich and get your my pillow. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A just Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A's president says that white people must bow to their knees to shine the shoes. Yeah, he said that like right after the uh, George Floyd uh, terrible event. Uh, But, yeah, that that was one of those moments like, uh, you know, one of the one of the central principles of life, of fairness of Christianity is that you don't hold one person, uh, you know, liable for something his great grandfather might have done. That's right. Uh, Each individual has a heart and soul and they will each be judged individually. So it was an asinine thing that was said, but it gets back to what you had asked earlier. Why do people do this? Some of it's fear. Some of it is they've allowed themselves to feel ashamed about things they shouldn't be ashamed about. Defensiveness. In in part, Tom, they've just been indoctrinated. Whether they realize it or not. And they're easily pressured because our opponents slash enemies control every lever of uh, institutional power in this country. And even though they might be 5, 10, 20% of the population, they control us. They rule us. We're out of time. We got to go. We got to go. Stop yeah. talking, Bauer. I know. It's your fault, Tom. <laughs> Have a great week. the off button and we can continue <laughs> this. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to give us a five-star rating and to refer us to all your friends. This is... Uh, Bauer and Rose wishing everybody a great week.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.